You're getting very sleepy. Are you hypnotized yet? <laughs> Have you been hypnotized? If not, would you be open to it? I'm your host, Leah. I am Phil. You think? And I'm Steve. Uh, we're going to have a really interesting show today, and it's going to include an interview with a hypnotist. If you have an appetite for the strange and bizarre, then pull up a chair and grab a spoon for another intriguing serving of Remnant Stew. Remnant Stew is gluten-free, organic, made from all natural free-range ingredients and guaranteed to provide the recommended daily serving of curiosity. Well, recently in our studios, we had an interesting visitor. His name was Bill Torgan, and by trade, he is a hypnotist. Now, I have to confess that I was really uncertain what to expect from our interview with him. I really don't know much about hypnotism, except what I've seen on movies and on TV. I did a little bit of research before our interview, and I found a wide range of opinions about the topic. Many people claim to have received a great benefit from the services of a hypnotist. They have received help in getting and quitting smoking, getting their eating habits uh, under control, getting relief from substance abuse, and even from obsessive-compulsive habits like hair pulling. However, others caution that opening up your mind to hypnotist suggestions can have unexpected consequences. One article I read likened it to downloading software without running it through a virus filter. Personally, I have my own concerns about it. But I must say that Mr. Torgan did an outstanding job of representing the benefits of hypnotherapy. His background in law enforcement reinforces his credibility. Unlike the spooky hypnotists of the old movies, Mr. Torgan struck me as an intelligent and perceptive gentleman. He is genuinely interested in helping people, and his services do appear to have credible value to many. One concern that I will put forward here is that here in the United States, there is a hodgepodge of regulation concerning hypnotherapy. According to a website called BurlingtonHypnosis.com, only 15 states have laws specifically regulating the practice. Another 15 refer to general guidelines set by the National Guild of Hypnotists. The remaining 20 states have no regulatory oversight at all. And these states range from red to purple to blue from Alabama to Michigan to Oregon. In addition, the United Kingdom and the European Union have no official oversight over hypnotism. So if you live in an area with limited or no regulation, then caution is encouraged. In fact, Mr. Torgan did a really nice job of explaining how to avoid a bad hypnotist. So with all that being said, whether you are in favor or opposed to hypnotherapy, I think that you will find our interview with Mr. Torgan to be interesting and informative. Now, but before we get to our interview with Mr. Torgan, I'd like to talk briefly about the history of hypnotism. It really got its start with the unique, and I'm using <laughs> finger quotes there, medical practices of Dr. Franz Anton Mesmer, a physician. Mesmer, yeah. Mesmer a physician who lived in Vienna, Austria during the 18th century. Mesmer was an interesting and colorful character who was a fervent believer in the more esoteric aspects of Western medicine, such as the influence on the human body of things like astronomy and magnets. More specifically to our topic at hand, Mesmer believed in the existence of a natural energy transference, okay, okay. occurring between both animated and inanimate objects. He mm. called this animal magnetism the escapades oh, of dr I, thought, I always thought animal <laughs> magnetism was what phil has you know 
Well, How it all doing? began. <laughs> it all began with Doctor Mesmer. Well, okay. And and I like. I think he may have been a self-professed doctor. Anyway, like a lot of, at that time to get right. on that. But credentials um, may be sketchy. <laughs> we really could do an entire episode on just him. I think he we was, mentioned him in one episode. I think so we, like, I think we did. But anyway, um, credentials. He, who needs credentials? He was. <laughs> he was eventually seen as a fraud, and he was exiled. Um, wow. <laughs> so I mean, and there's all kinds of colorful stories. Um, but but. A Scottish physician named James Braid, however, picked up the idea of animal magnetism and mesmerism and developed it into what we would recognize as hypnotism today. In fact, Dr. James Braid is known as the father of modern hypnotism. The practice was used by the more conservative and respected Dr. Braid to aid in a patient's pain management. That's interesting. According to JamesBraidSociety.com, and Braid is spelled like B-R-A-I-D. Right, B-R-A-I-D. Um, in 1842, Braid published neuro—I don't know how to pronounce this—neuropnology, neuropnology, or the rationale of nervous sleep considered in relation with animal magnetism. Initially, Doctor Braid considered the phenomena was a form of sleep, so mm-hmm. he named the phenomena after Hypnos, the god, the Greek god of sleep and master of dreams. But in 1847, he regretted that. He came to regret it. Oh, yeah. He discovered that all the major phenomena of hypnotism, such as catalepsy, which is kind of sleep, uh-huh. uh, anesthesia, and amnesia could be induced all without sleep. Okay. Uh, realizing his choice of the term hypnosis had been a mistake, he tried to re- rename it and to modnoidism. Yeah, that was never going to work. Yeah, I know. And it did it. It did not catch on. <laughs> you were on. getting very modnoidium. <laughs> It was, the same ring to it, does it? Yeah, it was way too late. By then, James Braid's term of hypnosis and hypnotism had already just become widespread. And and most people don't realize it's after a Greek god. So, you know, whatever. Uh, true. That's true. Hypnotism proved to be incredibly interesting to the masses and made its way to the stage to become a staple of vaudeville and right. a tool of the trade for magicians. So various media entertainment is probably how most of us know about hypnotism as very few of us have experienced it in a medical setting. But now to modern times. According to Time Magazine's website, time.com, Dr. David Spiegel, a Stanford University psychiatrist and leading researcher of hypnosis, says Braid's central discovery that concentration can guide the brain toward more suggestible state of hypnosis Mm -hmm. was and remains controversial. Like you said, right? But physicians have continued to test and teach the technique over the centuries with great success, says Spiegel. In fact, hypnosis is currently being used in the operating room, according to Lorenzo Cohen, director of the Integrative Medicine Program at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. Mm, So pretty reputable. Yeah, (laughs) world-renowned cancer center. By the way, we have some really good hospitals here, right here in the Greater Cut and Shoot area. That's right. Just on the outskirts. Yeah. <laughs> For some localized breast cancer surgeries, the center lets patients choose between general anesthesia, that's where you're put right. under, or localized anesthetic, which is just the area being the shot. Yeah, yeah being uh, anesthetized, uh, combined with hypnotherapy. Interesting. Those who choose the second option remain fully awake during their surgery, but a hypnotherapist first helps them enter a state of deep relaxation or hypnosedation, Cohen says. Hmm. The local anesthesia should be doing its thing, Cohen says, and then the rest is in your head. 
Probably the after effects aren't as difficult as exactly coming out of a, a like if you can. Yeah, I have a real I have a problem with anesthesia. I, a lot of times I have more of a problem with anesthesia than I do the surgery. So this would be yeah, I would I be do, a good I, I, do, I come out saying strange things and singing really weird songs. And... <laughs> Wait, well, there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is that while hypnotism remains controversial. It is still making headway in various medical arts as an option to consider whether you're hoping for a more natural anesthetic or, as our guest Bill Torgan will tell us, to help us overcome different addictions such as smoking or overeating. So, without further ado, here is our talk with Mr. Torgan. Well, today in the studio, we are very lucky to have Bill Torgan with us. He is a practicing hypnotist. It's what he does for a living. So, welcome, Welcome to, hey, to Bill, welcome. Remnant Stew. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, so you've been many things in your life, in your professional career, and a lot of different things in your life. So what? How can you go over that briefly, and then how did it get you to becoming a hypnotist? Sure. You don't know how briefly I'll be there. <laughs> well, that's all right. Go ahead. Take all the time you want. I'm an old man now. <laughs> anyway, I started uh, out of high school. I, went, I joined the Air Force. I spent six years in the Air Force enlisted. I got out as a staff sergeant. And then when I went home, I lived in uh, Connecticut at the time. I was born born and raised in Connecticut. Okay. And I became a police officer in Connecticut. Interesting. Uh, I was a – I worked undercover at a time. I've done a lot of things. But, okay. Uh, so it wasn't, as, it wasn't military police. It was no, a – Okay. It was yeah. a, it was a uh, uh, New London Police Department. Okay. A, New London, Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a – Stanley works for there, right? The Stanley Tools in New London, I think it is. Uh, I'm not sure about Stanley. Um, or something is there. Oh, maybe well, yeah. There's General Dynamics across General the Dynamics, river. General Dynamics. Yeah. I thought you were asking and then there's a submarine base. Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> the, the you coast, know Stanley from yeah. Connecticut. The, right. coast, yeah. the Coast Guard Academy is in uh, New London, Connecticut. Oh, okay. okay great. Yeah. yeah. Connecticut College is there. So they have a lot of things. Nice place then. Like. It's a small town. It was uh, it's only six miles square, but it was like a little mini in New York City at times. We had walking beats and things like that. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I'd got up to a, a lieutenant, patrol lieutenant. Uh, I did private investigations, polygraph examinations. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Did that too. Uh, I relocated to uh, Texas. I have a brother that owns an air conditioning business uh-huh. in Texas. Uh, in Houston, and I worked for that company for uh, several years. Right. Okay. And uh, I love the Conroe area. I mean, I, it's best move I ever did. And uh, and for our listeners, Conroe is the greater cut and shoot area. Right. <laughs> We're a little bit north of Houston, Texas. <laughs> yes. A little, a little bit north. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, uh, the the area is just a, a beautiful area, and I uh, got involved with community theater. Okay. So I have done a lot of things with regard to acting, uh, acting and directing in plays. Okay. And I've learned I learned a lot about my practice in hypnosis with regard to the acting. Okay. With regard to the voice. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It uh, it 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 really it helps if you're a hypnotist and you're trying to speak with someone in a, a relaxed state. Uh-huh. It's very important that you be onomatopoeic when you are speaking to them, that you are very succinct in hitting those consonants and pronouncing the words correctly and using uh, pacing, very important. So the okay. actor's training That's, has helped you? With, it with it has. 
helped me more than my actual hypnosis training. Because, uh, <laughs> Interesting. Okay. And we'll get into a little bit so, later how that, why that is yeah. in hypnosis. But uh, so what led you, though, to the well, career after, choice of hypnotism? After I retired, uh, my retirement funds were all in investments that probably weren't the best and wisest of choices. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I needed to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I started uh, uh, looking for what I could do, and I was a president of my homeowners association at the time, and one of the board members uh, had gone to California to learn how to do quit-smoking hypnosis. Hmm. And that interested me. And I remembered back when I was a lieutenant in the police department, we sent a detective to go learn forensic hypnosis right. to help oh. – to help uh, uh, victims with their memory. Right. Okay. That's Wow, that's interesting. So it was interesting. So that, that's like remembering details from the crime. That they... Yeah, and it's, it's very specific, and you've got to be very careful because you can implant a false memory. Yeah, we've talked before right. about how pliable memories yeah. are. Right. So. I'm glad to hear you say that right at the beginning because I think that's one of the concerns people have about hypnosis is that, you know, you've got to be really cautious with it about Implanting false memories. There's a lot of concerns about it. Or right. being a chicken. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. You know, people only know about hypnosis from what they see in a stage show somewhere. For right. sure. Lots and, of vaudeville stuff in that one. Right. And, and so my first session that I have with a client is a long one. It's between – it's scheduled for 90 minutes but can quite frequently go two hours. Really? And part of that is because it's the educational factor. Sure, to I tell have, them. I have to let them know what it right. is, how it works, what what they think is not right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, they, they've got these impressions from the entertainment industry. But if it wasn't for the entertainment industry, uh, hypnosis probably wouldn't even be around today. <laughs> okay. That's what kept it alive. Sure. But it is very serious on modality for health and wellness. In fact, there was a case uh, I remember reading about when I was uh, first starting out where uh, there was a, a patient who had to have brain surgery, and the brain surgery required that the patient be awake and alert to be able to respond I to see. the surgery. Right. And they used a particular anesthetic for that, mm -hmm. but this patient was allergic to the anesthesia. Ooh, oh, no. Oh, no. And so she worked with a hypnotist, and, and they ended up doing open brain surgery with an, with hypnosis being the only anesthesia used. Interesting. That really interesting. That's yeah. amazing. And it was very successful. Wow! Oh, wow! That's really interesting. So, I don't do that though. I, I, stay, <laughs> away, I stay away from brain <laughs> surgery whenever I can. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's hey, doc, no, not that. No, that. Oh, we just lost a patient. Yeah. Probably, <laughs> uh, probably wise. Well, tell us then what services that you do provide as a hypnotist. Well, about 40% of my clientele come to me to quit tobacco. Really? Okay. Either, either smoking uh, cigarettes, cigars, pipes. Uh, uh, I've had them come to me to quit Nicorette gum. Really? Uh, tobacco and tobacco products. Okay. About 15% come to me to, to uh, overcome alcohol and uh, drugs. Mm -hmm. About 10% come to me for weight loss. And the other 35%... Ooh, just about everything else you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, wow. In fact, I had a client come to me that had uh, uh, trichotillomania. It's hard to pronounce. Uh, it's uh, trichotillomania. 
What, what, Trictel- what were Trictelomania. Trictelomania. What is that? Trictelomania. It's hair pulling. Oh, hair pulling, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm but, not a doctor. I call it hair pulling. Yeah. Hair pu- okay. So like eyebrows, eyelashes, hair. Well, I, yeah. yeah all kind all of, of it. Usually it's the hair on the head. And it usually okay. starts when they're very young. Uh, teenage uh, usually, girls. Usually teenage. Right. Uh, and what happens is they, they get into this hair pulling and it becomes uh, unsightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. They, they have uh, emotional issues. Right. And uh, according to the Mayo Clinic, they really uh, can they treat it with the antidepressants and things like that. But the, it's it's really just a, a psychological disorder. Right. But it is emotionally driven, mm-hmm. and that's what habits are emotionally driven. Sure. Let me ask so you: hypnosis you, can be effective. Have you had some training in counseling as well? Um, well, that's that's part of the training, and I have. Uh, uh, well, let me go back to a question sure. you asked a long time ago with regard to what I was doing. Yeah. And that was uh, my neighbor uh, convinced me that this would be a good uh, project to, to become a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. And so I went online and I, I, I found a school in California. It was a very good rated school to do hypnosis and learn hypnosis. Right. So I signed up with them. But I had a sick cat. And it's some of it that has to be done hands-on. <laughs> and I couldn't travel and leave the cat at home. I had to give it diabetes shots. I had to give it right. insulin shots twice a day. So uh, they – and they weren't really willing to work with me. And so I had to drop out of that and find another school. And I found one in Houston called the PATH Foundation. Uh-huh. So I got my certifications from the PATH Foundation. And then I got certified with the Guild, which is the National Guild of Hypnotists out of Massachusetts. And they're, uh-huh. they're the big – Kahuna with regard to hypnosis. Right. So uh, uh, once I did that, I opened my doors in 20, August of 2015. Okay. And uh, it's it's been a amazing. Now, you had asked me a question. I interrupted you. I said, uh, so you've had training in counseling as well? Oh, yes. That, you know. the, the classes that I took online, some of them were psychological courses that I had mm-hmm. to take. And it were regular college courses. So, I mean, I had some of that. But most of my psychology comes from being a policeman. Right. Sure. Okay. Um, well, okay. You talk about the, the Guild of Hypnotists. Are they all like you in the services that they provide? Or what other services do hypnotists No, every do? hypnotist is different. Okay. Every procedure is different. Uh, the procedures that I was taught are no longer the procedures I use. Mm-hmm. The basics okay. are there, but sure. I've developed my own. Okay. Um, and... Every session can be different depending on the day and the person's attitude that is is trying to relax into the process. Okay. Uh, people, people don't understand that hypnosis is not some – we use the terms like wake up, trance, sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and to, that's to describe what it looks like, not what it actually is. Right. You are never asleep in hypnosis. You're always awake and aware, but the, the conscious and the subconscious are are separate. Many levels maybe, but they're separate. Right. Right. The conscious is slow. It's linear. It can only do one thing at a time. The subconscious is fast and it can multitask, but it doesn't reason. I'll give you an example of that is you might be driving down the road and start thinking about something. Next thing you know, you've missed your turn. Right. Right. 
Or you walk into a room and you say to yourself, what did I come in here for? Well, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. The older I get. <laughs> Everybody. So that's a form of hypnosis. That is so nat- That's how natural it is. I've had clients say to me, well, I don't know if I can be hypnotized. Well, maybe if you don't want to be and you're up on a stage somewhere. But everybody hypnotizes themselves several times a day. Mm-hmm. It's matter of the conscious doing something else and turning the automatic behavior over to the subconscious. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. It's so, like you, you have you <clears throat> driven somewhere and then you think, I really yeah. don't remember any details about how I drove right. to there. You know, that's all that your subconscious to me takes over. All the you're, time. You're thinking about other things. Yeah. I tell clients hypnosis, a more apt description would be guided meditation. But okay. it's more powerful than meditation. And the reason is, uh, if you've got children and you tell your child something that you want them to know, but they won't believe a word you say, but they'll believe a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Uh, that's because the parent lies to them. Mm-hmm. They tell them about the tooth fairy. They tell them <laughs> about the Easter bunny. They tell them about Santa. No, Santa Claus is real. They, they, tell, they tell them about. Heard it here, folks. They, they tell them about. Uh, they're going to punish them and then they don't. It's not about love or respect. It's about the child not believing that the parent will tell them what they want to know, only what the parent wants them to know. Okay. The same thing is true for our conscious and our subconscious. Think of the conscious like the adult and the subconscious like the child. Hmm. We tell ourselves something all the time. We lie to ourselves all the time on what we want to believe, even though we know it's not true. And so the subconscious comes to a point where it doesn't believe us anymore. That's what meditation and affirmations are about. In a relaxed state, the conscious tries to get the subconscious to uh, agree to the premises that it's trying to uh, present. So in hypnosis, I'm the stranger. Mm -hmm. I have no reason to lie to the client. So in a relaxed state, the subconscious is more open to the positive suggestions. Okay. I can can understand that. Are there? I'm sorry. I was going to say, does it take patients a while to build up trust in you before they're really able to do that? Or well, it- part of the first session is that uh, educational part, and part of that is building a rapport with the client. Mm-hmm. They need to be confident that you know what you're talking about. Right. They need to be confident that they can be helped. Okay. So my next question that leads right into my next question: Are there people that just cannot be hypnotized and? Can you take us through what you have to uh, take a a patient through in order to get them to be susceptible? Everybody can be hypnotized. Okay. The people who do the best in hypnosis are those that can relax into the process and use their imagination. Some people are very hesitant in doing that. Some people need more practice doing that to get better at it. Okay. Okay. Now, there's different levels that they will achieve because of that. So some people may need more sessions than somebody else. But most issues that I deal with, usually one session is sufficient. Oh, really? really? That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I've had people come to me smoking three packs a day and walk out 90 minutes later, no cravings, not get them later. Wow. But everybody is different. Right. So uh, I I had a client when came to me (laughs) when they first opened up and, uh, at that time, uh, I had, you know, I wasn't in, in it for very long. And I did a session with her. She, she, uh, she smoked 
a pack and a half a day. She had COPD, mm. chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary, pulmonary disorder. disorder. Right. Uh-huh. And so she had COPD. Doctor told her she had to quit. So she came in. I did a session with her, and she was angry. Uh, when a set, when a client comes in and quit smoking, if they have cigarettes with them, I have them put them on a desk, and then at the end of the session, they can take the cigarettes with them and they can throw them in a jar or or whatever. Well, she got up at the end of the session. She says, "I wasn't hypnotized. I don't feel like I should feel." Uh, she grabbed up her cigarettes and out the door she went, and I felt so bad. Right. So I called her up. It took me about three or four days to get a hold of her. And I says, look, I feel so bad that you weren't successful. Come back and see me again, and I won't charge you for an additional session. Okay? So she agreed to. So it was about a week and a half later when okay. she came back in. And she get back in. She sat there across from me with her arms crossed. And she said, well, I'm still a smoker. I said, okay. She says, yesterday... I had three cigarettes, and this morning I had one. She says, so I know something happened. Can we do this again? Oh, it took a while for it to sink in, maybe. Wow. (laughs) So it is effective. How effective it is, part of it is your ability to believe on how it works Mm -hmm. and allow it to to help you. To embrace it, right. If you can relax into the process and use your imagination, uh, the world opens up and – we do things that harm us every day in a fact of holding on to things that you really don't need to. Sure. Uh, and it matters not if you're religious or not, but I've adopted the same prayer that AA has adopted called a serenity prayer. Right. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. I give that to all my clients before they leave. And I explain the reason I do that is because it is so simplistic. The first thing is the serenity to accept the things you cannot change. You cannot change the past. Right. Something happens in the past. You don't have to like it. You don't have to dislike it. You don't have to forgive it or forget it, but you have to accept it. Once you realize that it is the past, it no longer has to control you today. Correct. A lot of my session is about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing is the courage to make make the difference, and that's what they do when they come to see me. And and finally, it is the wisdom to know the difference because there's some things that are organic you have to be able to deal with. So the emotions are what drive most people's habits. And to uh, release that... That's part of my process. The first thing I do is an induction, which is nothing more than some relaxation techniques. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I do, and it could be a boring story. It could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hold my hand up in front of somebody's face, and I say, imagine this is a pocket watch. So the, the first thing is just some an induction, and then I do a deepening, which is nothing more than more relaxation techniques. Okay. And then I do what's called a regression to cause. So if your issue uh, is like the client today had had a hair pulling issue. Mm-hmm. And so I took her back in time to the first time she could remember hair pulling becoming an issue for her. Why did she happen? Why did it okay. happen? Yeah. And, and not really why. Yeah. Just when did it start? Yeah. Okay. I take the person back. Someone's smoking. I say, okay, take it back to the first time you can remember having a cigarette. 
But better yet, take it back to the first time you can remember deciding to be a smoker. That may have been when you had your first cigarette or it may have been before and you never had the opportunity until later. I decided to be a smoker long before I tried my first one. And I started smoking when I was eight years old. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I I quit over 35 years ago, folks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? He's helping people to, to quit smoking, but, yeah. you know, yeah. going out back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and I didn't know about hypnosis back then. I had to deal with craving. So I know ways, that, tricks that you can help even without hypnosis, but hypnosis is so effective. Sure. So anyway, uh, I, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. Regression. Well, Regression. You take, you, take, oh, yes. you take it back to the point. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I take people back to that, that first time that they can remember is a seat experience. And then we do a, what's called a release. And what I explain to them, what I'm talking about a release, is not forgiving or forgetting, liking or disliking. It's simply letting the past go. It's like the, the serenity prayer, letting it go. Mm-hmm. And so when we get back to there, I said, that's that seat experience. I says, I asked them, can you let it go? And your answer will be yes. <laughs> I tell them what their <laughs> answer is going to be. I, and when I first started doing this, people go yes and no. But what's happening is you're getting a confusion between the conscious and the subconscious. And I explain, your answer will be yes. And I know this because I'm not asking your conscious at this time. I'm talking to your subconscious. And while your conscious can listen to every word and pay attention to every word if it wants to, mm-hmm. I'm talking to your subconscious, which doesn't reason or rationalize. So the answer is always yes. Okay. Okay. And then I tell you to let it go. Now I'm talking to your conscious and you can consciously tell your subconscious to let it go, that you no longer needs it to bother you anymore. Hmm. And the interesting thing about this is it doesn't matter whether or not you believe it or not. This is the conscious telling the subconscious what to believe in a relaxed state so it can be more apt to accept these positive suggestions. Interesting. Yeah. The con- you consciously say, well, I don't know if this – I don't believe that. It doesn't matter. That's the conscious reasoning right. and rationalizing. So you – as as convincingly as you can, you tell yourself to let it go. Don't let it bother you anymore. I think it's a good good statement when you yep. say, can you let it go? The answer is yes because certainly yep. everybody can let those things go. There may be reasons why you don't want to let those right. things go, and that's uh, you know that's that's where you get stuck perhaps. But uh, And then you tell them to let it go, and then they let it go. And you're building – and it's very repetitive during a session, so I speak very fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's very repetitive, and what happens is the people get to where they uh, uh, they can't imagine how lighter they feel at the end of this release because I ask a ton of questions. I ask about feelings and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ask about a lot of things. I have no clue as to what they're thinking. I don't need to know, and I tell them this. My questions are designed to evoke a response, but I don't know what you're thinking, and you don't know what perspective I'm asking it from. Mm-hmm. Do I mean it from my point of view, your point of view, or somebody else's? It don't matter. I don't know if you're answering my question or you're answering a question you thought of on your own or you're answering a question you asked, you answered three questions earlier, and you're changing your answer. It don't matter. Whenever the response is in the affirmative, we let it go. Whenever it's in a negative, we just pat, we move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. It's a process. I say, and then it gets weird. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. It gets weird because then I talk to the cells of the body. Okay. All right. What happens is we're chemical creatures. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens to us, the subconscious, 
the very first thing that what is the some kind is the very first thought or feeling that you have to a stimulus. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it may be something you see or hear, but it may also just be a thought. And to give you an example, and, and a subconscious doesn't necessarily differentiate between a positive and a negative. And to give you an example of that, no matter what you do, do not, do not think of a pink elephant. Oh. <laughs> you just thought of a pink elephant. Yes. I can see it. Yes. I'm singing the song to Dumbo right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even, even just sitting there trying not to think yeah. at all. That's right. You yeah. can't do and it. And the right. reason is that's the way we're built. Right. Okay. We, we, most people are visual and you picture that mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the subconscious. That's the first thing that came in. Then the subconscious will say, oh, I, I'm not supposed to think about that. I'll think of the hippopotamus instead. Yeah. You know, but the first thought is the subconscious. Sure. And so what we're doing when we're doing this uh, uh, releasing, we're not trying to convince the conscious because that's the argumentative. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the subconscious. Okay. So are there <clears throat> patients that you've had that just could not be hypnotized or could not respond well to it? I had – you have to be ready. You have to want this, okay? You have to be ready for the change. You have to want the change. Sure. And I guess if they're coming to see you, right, they do yeah. have – It doesn't matter whether you think different. you can or not. What matters is your desire to. Okay. So I had a client when I first started that came to see me. He had COPD. He smoked over three packs a day. And uh, he sat in a chair and at the end of the session, he says, the only thing I could think of the whole time you were talking was I was thinking about lighting up a cigarette. Mm. (laughs) Well, he wasn't ready to quit. His doctor told him he had to, but he wasn't ready to quit. Right. Okay. And so uh, with that – he was not saying he went right outside and lit up. There's nothing I can do about that. Right. Right. So it hypnosis doesn't make you do anything. The release allows you to deal with things on an intellectual basis instead of an emotional one. We do almost everything through emotion. Right. Yep. You know, uh, people, have you ever stood in front of your refrigerator, open the door or pantry, open the door and say to yourself, what do I feel like eating? <laughs> you know, all of us have done that. Right. You're trying to satisfy an emotion. That's not true. Homer. Happened a lot during the pandemic, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. They're, they're black cookies with white yeah. filling. Because everything else was uh, <laughs> disrupted, you know, so, you know, we're acting that way. Yeah. I've had a lot of aha moments. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the dip, most difficult things I've had to deal with in helping people has been uh, weight loss. Weight loss is usually not a one-session deal. Because it's a modification. It's not a uh, all or nothing type of thing. Right. You can't quit cold right. turkey. Yeah. And the other thing is memory. When people call about memory, I explain several things about that. Uh, first of all, uh, the only license required for hypnosis in Texas is forensic hypnosis. Hmm. Okay. And you have to be a licensed peace officer for that. And the reason for that is credibility in court. Okay. And that's helping witnesses with memory and things like that. It's very understandable. Uh, People come to me for memory usually for finding things and that that type of thing. (laughs) And uh, memory is a tricky subject because I can help people relax. And a lot of times when you're in that relaxed state, I can talk them back through and then they can remember things. But I had – I tell the client, look, if you were – 
looking for a lost item and you don't know where you put it, but you put it in safekeeping or something and you don't remember, if somebody moved that item, it doesn't right. matter if you remember it or not. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. And so I, I've had, I had a client once that had a little micro disc that he wanted to find. And uh, he remembered certain things about it. We went through the whole process and I explained to him to begin with, you know, chances are it's just it, you may not be successful because if someone moved it, if it was actually lost, right. if it dropped out of your pocket, you know, you, it won't help you to remember. So uh, he never found it, but he felt so much better afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> At least he tried. Yeah. yeah. You and, know, something you, you <clears throat> talked about. I was a teacher for many years. For, yes. History, right? Taught history for many years, yes. And, uh, you know, over the years, I ran across some people that really shouldn't have been in the teaching field that were, that were you know, uh, not good at it. Yeah, my teachers were that way. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you talked about, uh, in Texas at least, uh, how do you – how can you – I guess I'm trying to say, how can you tell if somebody's not reputable in in the hypnosis profession? Does it happen? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. You know, what do you look for in a hypnotist if you're looking for help? Right. Right. Uh, there's a lot of schools out there. Some of them are very good, mm -hmm. and some of them are not so good. Some of them are like, uh, okay, well, send me the money, and I'll send you the certificate. Right. What you really need to look at is their reputation. Mm -hmm. You live and die in this industry by your reputation. Right. Uh, people don't just look at the stars. Look at the write-ups. Mm -hmm. Because you can look at reviews on how somebody says something and tell whether or not this person is just starting out and they just got some friends to, right. to pop in some some five-star reviews right. for them. But, but take a look at, at, at what you do. A lot of... The clients come to me from referrals. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the reasons for that is simply because people are happy with the results. I've had clients refer to me that even weren't successful in what they were trying to do uh, because of the process I use. I, you know, they, they felt like you were competent anyway, yeah. whether, whether it worked for them or not. Yeah. Yeah. They, teach, they teach you in hypnosis, most hypnosis schools to sell your services as packages. Hmm. So you, you want to quit smoking? I sell you a quit smoking. I'll even guarantee it. Uh, it's a, it's a three or five session package. What you're doing, as far as I'm concerned, is stealing money. Is upselling. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think it's honest. Right. And because I don't think it's honest, I can't go with that model. Right. I, I don't mind a package if it's a value in that package. Sure. Mm -hmm. Just because you actually get someone to, yeah, I look at it this way. If I help someone quit smoking, if I have a three session package and I, and I help somebody quit smoking in that very first session, then they come back for the next two sessions because they want to get their money's worth. Right. What am I doing? <laughs> they're not happy with me. Right. They feel cheated. And if they're not successful and they're not going to be successful in the first session, then I'm, I'm wasting my time and their money. Right. Mm -hmm. So I decided a long time ago that most of the stuff that I do is a one and done. If you're successful, great. If you want to come back for a follow-up session, you don't need a long session because the first part of it is rapport and it's for also uh, education. Mm -hmm. You just need the 45-minute to an hour session. 
and we can delve right into it. And most people find they go deeper, quicker on a second session. Right, hmm. right. So there are, uh, like he said, in every field, there's there's those that are not so good at their job. Uh, can a hypnotist do damage? Not really. Not really. It's really. And, and the reason the reason is, is, is this is all internal to you and your subconscious uh, is really only going to be accepting positive suggestion. Hypnosis doesn't make you do anything. Okay. Yeah. And the, let's we've been kind of dancing yeah, around that. Right. A the, hypnotist really cannot yeah, make you no. cluck like a chicken if you don't the, want to do that. Right. And I tell clients, look, the thing is, people get up on that stage. The first thing a hypnotist does is they will turn around and they'll do some simple little tests to see how compliant people are. And then they will select those people they think would be good subjects. And then they get up on the stage. And then if you ever notice, they'll usually end up dismissing a few people. And the people that they dismiss are to, for two reasons. The first is that they, they decide they want to prove something or they don't want to do it. They just they, they want to right. just not cooperate. And the second is they're faking it. And that's just as bad. Hmm. So it's real hypnosis on a stage show. But it's the people saying, hey, they raise their hand and they say, I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. I would never get up there and cluck like a chicken. But now, now I feel I, I empowered I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, compare um, what we see in the movies and on television, you know, old movies with the watch swinging back and forth. Yeah. Your eyes are getting sleepy and all this. Uh, or you're getting heavy. And, and so how does that – how does that uh, jive with reality? Uh, in reality, uh, it just relaxes the muscles in the eyes. It creates mm-hmm. a little tension and relaxation through the eyes. Uh, I use a similar type technique. It's a little different. Uh-huh. I put my hand in front of someone's face fairly close, and I ask them to stare at one point on my hand, one point only. And then I raise my hand up and have them follow it up with their eyes but not their head. Mm-hmm. And they're using the muscles in their eyes. If you look up without moving your head, you're going to find yeah. your eyes are straining a little bit. Yeah. And that little strain is 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 just giving you a little tension. And then I will have them close their eyes and relax their eyes. And that relaxation, when you tense a muscle group and then you release it, the muscles relax more than they were before they tense to begin with. Okay. And, and what hypnosis, a lot, of, a lot of times, there's an induction called a PMR, uh, pu- uh, progressive muscle relaxation. And it usually starts, you start on the scalp, and then you walk the client through and verbally mm-hmm. from right. one muscle group to another until they get down to their toes, you know. Uh, and that's a way, it's a long one sometimes. Uh, there's all the other ones where you just count backwards and you keep counting backwards and, you know, you go to a, you go to a doctor for an operation, and the anesthesiologist starts the, the solution, and he says, okay, count backwards from 100, and you go 100. Yeah, done. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you hit the one. Well, this takes a little bit longer uh, without the solution, but uh, at the same token, it's very effective. I've helped clients who've had trouble sleeping do it that way. I do mm-hmm. that to, to go to sleep, mm-hmm. and I've also uh, encountered that in yoga. Yep. So. And there's a certain little embellishment that you can do with it to make it more effective. For instance— I have every every 10 numbers, every uh, number that ends in zero, I add the word at the end, deeper and deeper, because mm-hmm. it's a subconscious suggestion to go deeper, relaxed. And then after each other number, I will say deeper, 
deeper. And, and that mm-hmm. one word helps you uh, rate your speed so that you're not going too fast. Right. And uh, and you're keeping in track basically by going into deeper and deeper when you hit the tens. Right. But it's it's very effective. And I mean, you get really effective at it. You can start at much lower numbers and get the same result. Interesting. Interesting. Do you uh, do you get referrals from the medical community? I do. Yeah. Um, I, doctor, I was also one of my uh, uh, things I started. I had a, about two days a week. I started seeing clients at the Transmed Center. Now, the Transmed Center is located on the South Loop in Conroe. Mm-hmm. And okay. it's where Robert's Pharmacy is and uh, yeah. uh, Family Care First, First Family Care Center. And it's uh, the, the Transmed Center, the, the doctor there is Dr. Caldwell. Uh, she was my mother's family physician years ago, and now she's the director of the uh, of this. And, and they're based on a holistic wellness type of thing. They they believe in functional medicine. They believe in right. doing things for the cause and not just treating the symptom. Right. Okay. And so they're 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 very effective. And I saw clients in her office probably uh, uh, it was twice a twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But mm-hmm. eventually, it really didn't make a lot of sense to have. Two offices were clients going back and forth. And so now I see all my clients at my main office, which is in downtown Conroe. Okay. Okay. And how long have you been doing this? I opened my doors <laughs> in August of 2015. Right. 2015. Okay. So eight years. About basically. eight years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was, I was uh, reading, and if you don't know anything about this, that's fine. I was reading something earlier today about something called covert hypnosis. It's uh, hypnotizing people. Kind of without their knowledge, uh, and like salespeople do this. And That's right. Dictators have used this. Like you know, I've heard, heard speech people talk about. Heard Hitler speak. Herman Goebbels, yeah. right? Yeah, that, that you know that people seem to lose all critical thinking. You know when they're. All uh, in those, ad- how do you know if that's happening to you, <laughs> or what can you do to watch out for that? All advertisers use that. Right. Have you ever hummed a jingle to yourself? All the mad? time. Do 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 do. But it, it is a type of thing that uh, it's human behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you're mindless about it. It's that they're using it to uh, get to the subconscious and not the conscious. But you still have that conscious reason and rationalization. Right. Right. Okay. So it doesn't make it do anything. Uh, it might get you a little bit more uh, acceptable to it. <laughs> Right. right. Let your defense down a little bit. A little yeah. bit, maybe, yeah. Right. But it, it, there's such a thing they call NLP, uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Mm-hmm. And what that basically is, is using our language. Our language is very powerful, using adjectives and using certain uh, combinations of words to mm-hmm. help drive home a point. Now, when I'm in a session, to get back to what I was saying very early in the session here, uh, I like to be able to say things in an onomatopoeic way so that if I give you an example of that, let's say I'm talking to uh, somebody and I want them to go deeper. One of my uh, transitional deepeners is a countdown method from five to one. And I simply go five, four, three, two, one, deeper and deeper. And if you notice, the second deeper is deeper than the first deeper. Mm. Okay. Okay. So if I'm saying something uh, that means something, if I can give an inflection in the voice or in the cadence that make it give it more meaning, that's exactly what I do. 
Okay. Uh, highlighted words in my script. For instance, I have a, a signal that, that I use to help people with, uh, like a trigger for, for helping them get calm. I'll say that trigger in a louder than the rest of the sentence. Mm. So these are all little, little things that you don't even think about in a normal conversation. But I learned from theater that it's extremely important to speak succinctly. Sure. Right. Hit those consonants. Pronounce those vowels. Speak a little slower. And the reason is I don't want people – most people, when they speak, they elide. They know what they're going to say, and most people can guess it as the conversation goes along. But I want it to be very clear so that they do not have to spend any energy translating. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. You mentioned something earlier. I want to go back to this. Um, you talked something about talking to the cells. Yes. Let's go back and uh, you, were, you were talking about helping someone regress. Uh, not regress. That's not maybe not the word, but go back to the time yeah. of the event that they first remember. Yeah, regression of cause. Okay. And then so what, is it, what does it mean about talking to the yeah, cells? Yeah, talking to the cells, uh, that's where I got interrupted by my thought process. Uh, what happens is we create all these chemicals. Well, what causes the chemicals is the limbic part of the brain mm -hmm. directs the endocrine. That's all the glands in our body. Right. To produce these chemicals. If you need strength right away. Adrenaline. Yeah. Adrenaline. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the limbic part of the brain directs the uh, endocrine to have the adrenal glands over the kidneys produce adrenaline and pump it into the system quick. Mm -hmm. You need to calm down afterwards. The same process is used with the same glands to produce the calming hormone noradrenaline. Mm -hmm. You need to go to sleep at night. The pineal gland releases melatonin. Right. All the chemicals that we need are in our body already and created through that thought process, through that subconscious of the limbic part of the brain. That's also how your habits are created. Uh, for some thing that happens, you have a habit because this, this limbic part of the brain directs this chemical mix. And that chemical mix is, makes us feel, makes us react or act based on this chemical reaction, this chemical feeling. And so it becomes a benefit. You look at it and say, okay, well, that, that was good. Uh, if, and then it becomes a habit. And then it becomes unconscious behavior, unconscious behavior. Give you an example of that. You might have someone that uh, sits down to watch their favorite TV show. And they can't seem to relax and enjoy the show. And they start, they put their hands in front of themselves and they start start uh, rotating their thumbs together. Yeah, Self-calming. Yeah. And all of a sudden they feel themselves getting calmer and now they're enjoying their show. And they, the subconsciously they say to themselves, boy, that worked. That worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. The next time the same similar situation occurs, they're going to do the same thing. Right. Okay. And the next right. thing you know, it's, un it's just a habit that is so Unconscious. Yeah, I have I have one of those. <laughs> and then he turn around and say, you know what? I'm getting arthritis in my thumbs. I better not do this anymore. I'm not going to twiddle my thumbs anymore. And so they sit on their hands and they're watching their show. And next thing you know, they can't believe it. They're twiddling their thumbs. Right. That's how the subconscious works. Sure. So what I do is I talk to the cells of the endocrine. I'm really talking to the limbic part of the brain. Mm -hmm. I'm really talking to that subconscious. And I do what's called a reboot. That's really just... Uh, resetting it, say, you know, you don't have to create the same chemical mix anymore, and you can now create a different chemical mix for the same conditions. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether the client believes it or not. I'm not talking to the conscious. I'm talking to the subconscious. And then what happens is after that, I do uh, some positive reinforcement for the issue mm-hmm. to help them with their issue. Okay. Then I might do affirmations. I might, if they're a smoker, I might do some affirmations. If they're not a smoker, I may not. It depends on what the issue is, mm-hmm. and what's going on. And then I will do what's called a wake up. And you never, they're never asleep. It's just a count up to get the brain level back up to the, into a, a, a beta level. Okay. Right. That's, that is so fascinating. It's been a really interesting discussion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Is I, there, uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to, to say? Uh, no, not really. I think we've covered it all. I, actually, I've covered most of what I cover in a first session with a client. Right? <laughs> I feel more relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have been, we actually, you. this this whole recording, we've been just kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Actually, just Phil, chilling it, now. Phil's wife has a few suggestions she'd yeah. like for you to work on. <laughs> so in the world, but hey. You know. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming into, into the studio today. Well, thank we you for having me. We appreciate it. Very good. Very good. Thank you very much. And this is Mr. Bill Torgan. Right. So, oh, there is one thing I'd like to bring up. Okay. My website. Oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Yep, so yep, yep. Is ConroeLifeChanges.com. ConroeLifeChanges.com. Okay. And uh, my phone number is 936 537 5666. Okay. 936-537-5666. And I answer the phone after hours. Okay. Now, our uh, podcast is listened to across the United States. And, and around and, the world. And so. around the mm-hmm. world. Um, but can people call you to get referred to, to someone in their, area. in their area? Right. Yeah, they can. Actually, I would recommend that they go to the NGH.org website, which is the National Guild of Hypnotists, and they okay. have a referral system as well they can find. They okay. can just go online and, and, and uh, also, but always do your research. Always check the area that you want to be. If you put, most people that search for mine, search for me under hypnotherapy near me or hypnosis near me. Right. Okay. Uh, and so uh, that's a good way to find it. But uh, one of the things with regard to Hypnosis on, on online is I am in the process of doing some online digital work. I'm creating some uh, books and some uh, some self-help books and some uh, recordings, hypnosis recordings. I'm early in the process, uh, but I plan to have those out in the market uh, for too long and I get them mm-hmm. out there. So there's going to be quite a few I have planned on. As okay. soon as I can get them out. So tell me your website one more time. It is ConroeLifeChanges.com. And Conroe is spelled C-O-N-R-O-E. ConroeLifeChanges.com. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leo. Thank, thank you, Bill. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, thanks for spending some time with us. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Remnant Stew Podcast. You can also send us an email to say hi or to suggest a f- topic for a future episode at Stay curious at remnantstew.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remnant Stew is a part of Work and Raven Ventures and is created by me, Leah Lamb. Dr. Stephen Meeker and I research, write, and host each episode. 
along with commentary by our audio producer, Philip Sinkville. You're welcome. Theme music is by Kevin McLeod, voiceover by Morgan Hughes, and special thanks goes out to Brandy Nichols, Judy Meeker, and Harbin Gould. Now before you go, please hit the follow button so you won't miss an episode. Head on over to Apple Music and leave us a review. Share Wimnet Stew with your friends, your family, and friends Anton Mesmer if you happen to run into him, but don't uh, believe his credentials. Until next time, remember to choose to be kind, and And always stay stay curious. curious!